Thank you for taking the time to listen to the Well Church Southerton's podcast. We pray that you enjoy this message and that it creates a well of hope in your life today. So Matthew 16, you guys will be really familiar with this. Verse 13, I'm reading out of the Living Bible. It says, when Jesus came to Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi, meaningless to us. I want you guys to picture mountains by a lake. This is the kind of place where you say to your family, hey, I've been working a lot. Let's go out tomorrow to Caesarea Philippi and have some time connecting. Mountains by a lake. That's what kind of place this is. And then Jesus takes his disciples to this place and he asks his disciples, who are the people saying that I am? And Jesus isn't asking that because he cares about man's opinion. He's asking his disciples. And we all actually need to answer this question. Who do we say Jesus is? And in verse 14, it says, Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. Verse 15, then he asked them, Who do you think I am? And verse 16, Simon Peter answers, The Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And you guys know this. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a description that he's the savior of the world. So verse 17 says, God has blessed you, Simon, son of Jonah. Jesus said, for my father in heaven has personally revealed this to you. It's not from any human source. Verse 18 says, you are Peter. Now this is where we get confused because most of our English translations tell us that Peter means rock and translates the next word in the phrase as rock. So it says, you are Peter. That Greek word there is petros, which is a small stone or even a pebble. So it says, you are Peter, a stone, and upon this rock, the Greek word is petra, which is a large rock or a projecting stone, one that's in the ground sticking out. So on that rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. So I'm going to read it all at once. You are Peter, a stone, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell shall not prevail against it. A lot of your translations say the gates of hell. I will give you the keys, verse 19, of the kingdom. Whatever doors you lock on earth shall be locked in heaven, and whatever doors you open on earth shall be open in heaven. So this morning... I hope to put some definition to what Jesus is building among us. We just read that Jesus builds his church. He doesn't build it on us, but he builds it with us and allows us to partner with him and help. So I'm not saying right now, I want you to hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we're better than other churches, but there's something less common being built here. And I believe that if we don't talk about our uniqueness, there might be pressure from our own expectations and other well-meaning Christians to copy the types of church Jesus is building in other places, or even church models he's built in the past. And I don't think we're doing anything amazing. What we're experiencing isn't something that I did or you did or we did. It's been simply following the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit, and we somehow got from there to here. And if we keep doing that, we'll get from here to the next season God has for us. So you're all aware 
that there's different church models and programs. Every one of those models that brings people to Jesus is needed. There are people that will only find God in a more traditional church that we won't be able to connect with. Our goal here today isn't to say that we're better or that other churches are dated or less relevant or nitpick at their church model. Our hope is actually that they are partnering with the church Jesus is building among them and to acknowledge that he's building something a little different than we expected among us and to put words to those differences. So many of you guys know this about me. I've always been really interested in church and I would say I love the idea of Christians gathering and the things that they do when they come together. And this was even from a pretty young age. Uh, it was something that I wanted to be a part of. And I would say that I had a lot of different expectations about what that would look like that might have been more comfortable or more traditional. And I think the best way to contrast and compare what Jesus is building here is to state what I thought would happen and what is happening. And I think this might connect with some of your expectations and experiences as well. So you guys ready for this? What I thought Jesus would build and what Jesus is building. So I used to think we would gather around a sermon. This church gathers around the present. I used to think we would end at the same time every, every Sunday. This church is more concerned about God's agenda than our schedules. I used to think worship was just a warm-up for a message. Some people think that. But now I realize worship is a lifestyle. I used to think the purpose of a church was to gather people, keep, and care for them. Now I've learned that's the first step towards training, equipping, and launching people into their destiny. I thought church was come and see, but now I see the church Jesus is building is go and show. I thought the goal of a church was to build a big church. But I learned that in the church Jesus is building among us, he's more concerned with building big people. I still want a move of God to happen here among us. Now I also want that move of God to extend beyond these four walls and impact every person that all of us come in contact with. I used to be concerned about doctrine. Now we should know what the word of God says about him, but if doctrine doesn't penetrate your heart, you just become a Pharisee. So I used to be concerned with doctrine, but I've learned that Jesus is more concerned with culture, not the world's culture, but a culture that brings growth in people. I used to think churches should teach principles to live by, but I learned that we should be modeling the presence of God to live life with. I wanted to make people feel comfortable and safe in church, but Jesus calls us to risk in faith. Church shouldn't make us tame. The church Jesus is building here should make you more dangerous. Church shouldn't be familiar and predictable. Our only security should be found in God. I thought churches should develop great programs. Jesus is more concerned with developing people. I used to think you should tithe 10% because you're supposed to. But I learned that Jesus challenges us to give cheerfully because we love God and people. So again, I'm not saying this to put other ministries down. My hope is to clarify what Jesus is building here. And I know 
It's been a long time since any of you guys missed church. But I bet right now, if you weren't here and you went to a restaurant, it would be crowded because breakfast food is the best food. And I think that all of those people would be having a great time. They wouldn't be feeling shame or sad that they weren't at church. They're probably not even aware that they have a need to know God or a need for community or a culture that helps them become everything they're created to be. It's not even on their radar. So it is important that churches maintain a come and see attitude, but we also need to develop a a go and show boldness. We bring the power of God to them, not in a turn or burn, here's a chick track. You guys remember chick tracks? If you don't know what a chick track is, you'll be entertained. Look them up. So not a turn or burn chick track, but a beautiful expression of their heavenly father's love right where they are. So here's an example in American history. In the early 1800s, the most profitable businesses in our nation were railroads. You guys have seen a lot of Westerns. If you don't watch Westerns, hit me up. I'll give you a list. When the airplane was invented, many railroad companies did not implement that new technology. Railroads were in the business of moving people. Airlines cut into that profit. And a lot of railroad companies went out of business because they did not adapt. This is what I think it highlights. Sometimes churches forget we are not in the business of a church service. Our goal isn't to do church better. Jesus didn't die so we could come to church on Sunday morning and sing a few songs, hear a great sermon, and go home. As a church, our family business is a kingdom that transforms lives, then families, then cities, and nations. The church is not a person, place, or thing. It isn't where do you go to church. You are the church. Church is actually the plural of Christian. Church is something you are, that you actually carry wherever you go. If the gospel we believe only works in this building, it's not the true gospel. We need to move away from trying to get people into heaven and get heaven into people. We're the opposite of the NFL. The NFL practices all week to play on Sunday. We practice on Sunday to play all week. We read this phrase earlier, Matthew 16, verse 18. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So many Christians today are playing defense. They don't realize they're on offense. We have the ball, we are running up the score, and there's this gate of hell trying to stand against us. A gate is not a weapon. You don't ever read someone was attacked with a gate. A gate is a defensive position. So apparently, as we love the people in this world with the truth of the gospel, we're going to run into a gate, and that gate will fall over. It will not stand against us. That is what Jesus said. At our house, we have this amazing fence. Our gates are vinyl, and our fence is vinyl, and they look really strong. But if it's cold outside and a small tree limb falls on them, they shatter. This is similar to the gates of hell that Jesus said would not stand against us. We are on offense. The game outcome is predetermined. You can look at the end of your Bible. You win. Here's a piece of my childhood. Some of you will remember this. I just want to give you a little piece of perspective. Prior to the 1992 Olympics, The International Basketball Association 
rules specifically prevented NBA players from participating in the Olympic tournament. Only amateurs were eligible for U.S. Olympic teams, which were mostly composed of collegiate players. Other countries used their best players from their domestic and professional leagues. In the summer of 1998, the U.S. Olympic basketball team lost to the USSR and settled for a bronze, and it was their worst finish in the history of Olympic basketball. That was 1988. In 1989, the International Basketball Association, which is based in the United States of America, voted to change the rule to allow NBA players to participate. So in 1992, the U.S. Olympic basketball team was composed of eight NBA players at the peaks of their career, one NBA legend who was still able to play but was suffering from a back injury, and an inexperienced collegiate player. You may recognize some of these names. Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, John Stockton. He was awesome on NBA Jam. Carl Malone, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, Chris Mullen, David Robinson, our very own Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, and Christian Leitner. The team was dubbed the Dream Team. Their first Olympic game was against the nation of Angola, who managed to score 48 points, but had no chance to win since the Dream Team easily scored 116 points. If you look up these games, these guys are not even trying. And they are just blowing it out. They went on to win the gold medal by defeating Croatia 117 to 85. They defeated every team they played by an average of 44 points. If you look at the player statistics for these games, they were outrageous. Some of them, including Charles Barkley, those of you who know Charles Barkley's career aren't going to believe this, were making eight or nine shots out of every ten they took. And this is a picture of our situation. We're on offense, and our opposition is not able to stand against us. The odds are stacked so much in our favor that our circumstances look more like taking that 1992 Olympic Dream Team down the street to Indian Crest Middle School, and playing against the junior varsity basketball team. And I know the question you guys are all are asking, if the odds are so stacked in our favor, why does it seem like we aren't winning? Well, there's a pretty simple answer, and it's this. Churches are inviting people to be fans and sit in the stands and not developing them as players. Come and sit in the stands, observe the Christ, how the Christian life is lived, and play a little bit on the hoop in your driveway with your kids, and you can get to heaven. Or we can invite people to fully participate, be a disciple of Jesus, not a fan of me or Cat or this church. We would invite people into the presence and the word of God, allow him to change them, and they will come and storm the gates of hell with us. Let's have a little heaven here. Let's see some miracles. Last year, we prayed for some things that we didn't see. The outcome that we hoped for for those things, we didn't see it. And it was painful. But also, our list of things that only God can do among us is growing. We now have masses disappearing, blood clots dissolving, people set free from addiction and mental illness, Broken people, healed, whole, set free, 
and launching into their destiny because God is moving. Not because you or I have an ability to do little more than look at the church Jesus is building here and partner with him. So do you want to be a player or do you want to sit in the stand? Our goal here is to develop you as a player and invite you to play. You might remember these statements we often make. We don't care how much dirt we have to move to get to the gold. You've heard us say that. You've seen us do that. You've been part of that process. We want to help you become everything Jesus created you to be. You've heard me say that, right? At least twice today. I'm that pastor that takes notes on your prophetic words and has to restrain myself from trying to fulfill them for you. We are inviting you to play, to participate, to make a difference, to have an impact, to serve, to grow, and to walk out everything God has for you. So as we gather together as a church, there's three things that we're trying to facilitate for you. I'm just going to give you the three. Are you guys ready? Note takers go straight to heaven. The first one is you can encounter God here. The second one is you can become part of this church family. And the third one is you can get equipped. So you can encounter God here. You can become part of this church family. You can get equipped. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about encountering God. We are a presence-focused church. We are encounter-driven. And some people get offended by that. They make statements about not needing those things. They ask questions like, do I mean that I want people to have experiences with God? And yes, that's exactly what I mean. We've seen God do more in a person's heart and life in a moment that could be accomplished in years in a program. Last year at the end of one of our worship times, we went specifically after tobacco addictions and somebody just stopped smoking. There's a testimony that I love out of the Brownsville Revival in the 1990s. One of the leaders goes on and on and on about all the mental illness, all the things happening in their daughter. And when the revival came and the presence was thick, she was in a worship environment for like 45 minutes and everything changed. Everything was gone. So our God's not far off and distant. He wants to be involved in our lives and see us grow and thrive. So we actually lean in and expect people to encounter God. I don't have a solution for a lot of the challenges people are facing, but God does. The best thing I can do is love people and bring them to him. So let's talk about what Peter said. We read it earlier. His confession about Christ, Matthew 16, 16, he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was revealed by my Spirit. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the question of the ages has been, what is the rock? There is a large church group that believed the rock was actually Peter. But it wasn't Peter. He's not, the church is not built on a person. The rock is having an encounter with God that reveals to you who Jesus is. That's what Peter did. And Jesus said it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't revealed to him by men. That's what the church is built on. It's not built on sermons that you hear and agree with and then go home and forget about. The church is not built on a person. It's built on encounters with God that give people a revelation of who Jesus is. It's built on you having a relationship, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit 
because God loved you so much that he sent the Holy Spirit into your life to personally mentor you into your destiny. When more people start getting healed, and we are just scratching the surface, and we will see it more, people can't stay the same when God heals them. And we aren't just after God for healing. We worship because he's worthy. He is worthy. That said, we need that time in the presence to wash us and change the way we think. And you know what? We do have a little bit of a pattern in our services, but we invite the Lord to interrupt it, and we love it when he does. Our agenda is what is on our Heavenly Father's heart every time we gather. During worship, we intentionally try to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading, and sometimes, might happen today, sometimes that gets awkward or even messy, and it isn't going to be polished or perfect. I do know a place that is organized, neat, tidy, predictable, polished, and perfect, and it's called a graveyard. I also know of another environment that is full of life, but it's extremely messy, and it's called a birthing room. We can have a church that's a tomb or a womb. You guys okay? All right, so we aren't seeking mess for mess's sake, but, we, but if we want the kind of life that God wants to bring, we can't be concerned about a little mess. We've seen the best churches that men can build. I don't think we've seen the best churches God can build. So the second thing, when you come here, the first one was you can have an encounter with God. The second one we're trying to facilitate is you become part of a church family. Transformation takes... Be- place best in the soil of community. I haven't seen a lot of plants growing and thriving when they're not planted in something. People today are pretty guarded about putting down roots. We like to stay safe in our little pots. You can buy a small jade plant in a little pot. You guys have probably seen these. Do you know you can plant that plant outside in the soil in the correct environment and it's supposed to grow to six feet tall? We want to bear fruit without putting roots down. And then we get frustrated with God because we don't see the results we expect. Years ago, I did a whole sermon series on are you planted or potted? And it was all about just going in, putting your roots down. Do you guys know the sequoia trees have really shallow, broad roots? Do you know if you plant a sequoia tree by itself, it'll blow over all 300 feet of it? But if you plant it in a forest with other sequoias, those shallow roots intertwine and they won't blow over. I mean, we're designed like that as Christians. So go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to read this to you. There's some length, so hang hang in there with me. Uh, Paul talks about how we are all different parts of one body, the church. And it's important that we embrace community and take our place as a participant and not a fan. Notice that Paul gives lots of ways you can be part of the body, but none of them is just coming. Being a fan, having a season ticket. So 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read uh, starting at verse 12. and, And Paul says, Our bodies have many parts, but the many parts make up only one body when they are all put together. So it is with the body of Christ. Each of us is a part of one of the one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves, some of us are free. 
but the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together to work into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by one Spirit, and we've all been given that same Holy Spirit. Verse 14, yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And what would you think if you heard an ear say, I am not a part of the body because I, I am only an ear and not an eye? Would you say that it is any less part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if the whole body were one just big ear, how could you smell anything? <clears throat> Verse 18, but that isn't the way God made us. He has made us many parts for he has made many parts for our bodies and he has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing the the body would be if it were only one part. So he has made it many parts, but still there is only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And some of the parts seem weakest and least important. And some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. Yes, we are especially glad to have some parts that seem rather odd. And we carefully pr protect from the eyes of others those parts that should not be seen. Well, of course, the parts that may be seen do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way with extra honor and care given to those parts that might otherwise seem less important. This makes for happiness among all the parts. So the parts have the same care for each other as they do themselves. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Did you guys ever hurt your little toe? I broke my little toe on the side of my bed. I screamed and my wife told me to suck it up. She said, you can't be that hurt. Broken. So anyway, if one little part suffers, the other parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Verse 27. Now here's what I'm trying to say. All of you together are one body of Christ, and each one of you is separate, is a separate and necessary part of it. So here's a list of some of the parts he has placed in the church, which is his body. Apostles, prophets, those who preach God's word. Teachers, those who do miracles, those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who can get others to work together, those who speak in languages they have never learned. I just want to read this again. Maybe one of these is you. Apostles, prophets, those who preach God's word, teachers, those who do miracle, those who have the gift of healing those who can help others, those who can get others to work together, those who speak in languages they have never learned. Is everyone an apostle? Of course not. Is everyone a preacher? No, all are preachers. All, no, all are teachers. Does everyone have the power to do miracles? Can everyone heal the, heal the sick? Of course not. Does God give all the ability to speak in languages we've never learned? Can just anyone understand and translate what those are saying who have the gift of foreign speech? Verse 31, no, but try your best to have the more important of these gifts. And then he goes on to say, first, however, 
let me tell you about something else that is better than any of them. And of course, you guys know, Paul goes on to say in the next chapter that the thing that is more important to all these different roles in the body is love. As part of a church family, we're called to love, and sometimes love is serving, sometimes love is leading, sometimes love is doing something hidden, and sometimes it's doing something that can't be hidden. If we're going to be part of a church family, we can't be a consumer. We can't just come to church to receive, to be a fan. We need to come to play, to help, to serve, to pray, to participate and partner with what Jesus is building among us. So community doesn't have to be complicated. Remember, we're talking about becoming part of a church family. Community doesn't have to be complicated. However, we do not have a program here to make you feel like part of a community. So uh, there may be a little confusion about how to engage. I want to give you some hot tips. If you feel disconnected or are having trouble with building relationships here, there's some key things that have worked for others that will help. And the very first question that you should ask is, have I disconnected myself from the body? I can't tell you how, how many times I'm talking with people that feel disconnected from the body. And as we kind of dialogue and chase that down, the disconnection happened when they stopped coming. But they didn't come for a while and they flipped it to they disconnected. So they stopped coming. So the first question is, are you coming to church? Are you missing what's happening? If you're away, get the podcast so you know what's going on. So uh, other keys that have worked. Come early, stay late, and just visit with others. Go to the home group. You want to hang out with other people from church? Go to home group. Uh, invite someone to lunch. Actually shoot someone a text or an email during the week. Ask how they're doing. Let them know that you were praying for them. Ask if there's something specific they would like you to pray for. Invite someone to your house. Invite somebody on a play date with your dogs. If you want friends, be friendly. That's what my mom told me. Be the kind of friend you want to have. All right, so three things that you can experience when you're here. The first is we want you to encounter God. The second, we want you to be part of the family. You guys still good? All right. Third one, we want you to get equipped. You know, our goal is that each person that calls this their church family will become everything God created them to be. There will be unique aspects of that for each of us, but there's some aspects of that that we all will share. And I can't get into all the details of all of these, but I want to introduce them just a little bit. So just on the getting equipped thing, did you guys know that we are masters of money? Money is not our master. And that Jesus said that stewardship, faithfulness with finances, was the easiest thing to be faithful with. For a lot of us, it's a challenge. Kingdom stewardship is super practical. When we follow the principles outlined in the Bible, we can be radically generous, debt-free, a debt-free people that give to every good work. So one of the things that we share, one of the goals I have for everyone that comes here is that we operate financially in biblical principles, that we are radically generous, debt-free people that can give to every good work. Another thing that we are all called to do is pray for each other. 
I know some people have more of a, a gift, a gift of intercession, we would call it, but we're all called to pray for each other. Do you know how many people will receive answers to prayer if nobody prays? Not a trick question. That's right. There'll be no answers to prayer if there is no prayer. Prayer is a mystery, but God has asked us to partner with him moving in other people's lives by asking him to move. Another thing all Christians are called to do, to be equipped, is to serve. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 11, The more lowly your service to others, the greater you are. To be the greatest, be the servant. The message translation says this, Do you want to stand out? Then step down and be a servant. And this morning, I want to invite you to be part of the church and not just a fan that observes what happens to the church. And it's been kind of interesting to gauge where I max out on what I can accomplish as far as church life is. At some point last year, Kat and I definitely hit a wall as far as our work-life church balance. And in the wall was our time. We just don't have the time to do what we'd like to see happen. Some of you guys have been very helpful, so don't think I'm saying you aren't doing enough. But we need to be honest about the reality of our bivocational situation. We can maintain what's happening here, and that's not the question. But if we're going to get where God's taking us, it's going to re require more people serving and helping to meet the needs in the body. So I have a list of all the places that we could use some help. We're going to hand these out in a minute. I have a list of all the places we could, we could use some help. And we'll go over it in a minute. Uh, but there's also another area that needs to increase in order for us to go forward. And that is the area of the church's finances. God has always provided what we need. Come to the finance meeting next week. You'll see this. God has always provided what we need. The question that I would like each of us to consider is would God like to provide through, for that need through us? So we're hoping to get to that finance meeting next Sunday after church. Uh, if you can be there, you will see that we're operating at a small deficit. And it's not because we're wasting or overpaying or not managing the church family spending plan. It's simply because less is coming in than we need to meet the needs of the people that gather here. There is no doubt in my mind that God will supply what we need, but each of us should ask him if he wants to do it through us. So take some time this week. If you aren't regularly giving, I challenge you to start. Remember, we don't give because we have to. We give because we love God and people. And the other area I want you to spend some time with this week, I already mentioned, there's a lot of places in the church that we could use some help. I want to send you home with this little half sheet of paper. Take some time and pray that God would provide the people to help in these areas. And then ask him if he wants you to help in those areas. If so, bring the paper back, put it in the offering basket because it really is an offering. Guys still good? All right, I'm gonna have Bob hand these out while I go over them. All right, you write your name at the top. I'm interested in helping out in these things. The first thing on there is Kids Church. Hey guys, Kids Church has been amazing. We have 
a video-based curriculum that is very easy to run. It's a DVD player and a PowerPoint. At this time, we are looking for one or two people to make a once every three month commitment. Once every 12 weeks, that would really lighten the load and make it uh, easy for someone to fill in. If you're gonna help out with Kids Church, we do have to do a background check on you. So if you have something awkward you don't want us to know about, don't volunteer for Kids Church. But again, the curriculum has been awesome. I've taught it a, a couple times. Uh, I got to do with the boys how to pray. I also got to do how to repent. Those were the two lessons that I did. You watch the silliest DVDs, and then you read some scripture. It's all mapped out. It's super easy. All right. So a couple of rebellious people have decided they want to put words on the TV during worship. All right. There's a team forming to start doing that. I'm sure they could use one or two people to help them. From what I understand, they're going to have a, a giant database with all the songs, and it's just going to be the person uh, that the volunteers will probably have it set up for them and just have to click through it. I do need the entire church to acknowledge that I can't do that while I'm playing guitar. Okay, we all know that. So if there would not be a word person, I will print you words, and we'll all be okay, right? Unacceptable. <laughs> I, I thought of a way I could, but I'm not going to. All right. Can you imagine how messed up the rhythm would be? And I can't see the TV from where I'm at. Anyway. All right. So I know, it, honestly, when we get into songs with bridges like that song we did today, it'll be super duper help, helpful to have the words. Even if the words are up there, there's no guarantee that I'll sing them because I can't see them. So anyway, uh, announcements. You guys know how grateful I am when someone else gives the announcements and I can drink a little water between singing and preaching. If you can take five minutes before church to look over them, clearly communicate information with the church, you're the exact person we need. I know our current team makes it look easy, but we can all tell when someone doesn't prepare ahead of time. So just keep that in mind. Come in here, read the announcements before church. Ask me any questions you have. Be able to give them. Um, that one, also, it's like once a month, once every other month. We can work with whatever, however often you want to do it. If you feel called to uh, something in your future where you speak to people, it's a really good opportunity to get used to that. So coffee. Uh, Beth and Sarah do a great job making and cleaning up the coffee. Uh, every every week, but we could definitely use another person or two that would be willing to serve in that area. You're not offended. I'm asking for help for you guys. No. Good. All right. So so also sound. Did you guys know that I have no idea what you're hearing during worship? I can't tell if it's too loud, too soft, oppressive, wonky, even on. Can't tell from where I'm at. So it would be awesome to train a few people on our very basic sound system. If you're the kind of person that can edit audio, I can train you. Uh, the podcast, you know, we're, we're 10,500 downloads. There's 30 or so a week. And so we do have an online congregation that we need to keep doing that for. I know there's some overlap there. Some of you guys listen to it. Uh, we used to have, Blaine used to do this for me for about a year, and then Blaine moved away. They had the baby, and it was a little too much for them. If somebody can step up and learn to edit the podcast, then on Monday mornings, instead of editing the podcast before work, I can go right into the next week's message or the next week's church stuff with that time I have blocked out for church stuff. 
And again, I can train you to do that. It's just speech, so there's not a whole lot to do with it. We do like to cut out all the ums and uh and weird throat noises that happen when people are preaching, but it's pretty easy. Okay, so cleaning is on your list. Am I still running the same as you? We're on cleaning. So the heavy lifting of prayer ministry. All right, so plan events. Uh, every three months, we want to have a church event where we just have fun. Oh, thank you. Every three months, we, we want to have an event where we just have fun. We've had game night. We could have movie night. We could have sit around and, and giggle about corny jokes night. So we want to have fun events once every three months. If you're someone that could plan and facilitate an event, hit me up. Prayer ministry. Guys, we've really gotten away from praying for people after service. And one of the reasons that that's happened is because we tend to get busy with some other stuff. So we want to just kind of raise up a prayer team. People that are willing to go in the prayer room, pray for others, pray for sick people. I was looking at that being like maybe once, once every quarter, every three months, the prayer team could get together and pray one evening and then, you know, be ready to pray for people after church. Cleaning. The heavy lifting of cleaning is covered. The bathrooms, the floors, the trash getting emptied. There's a couple of ways that we've tried to attack this, but we've never had the time to complete it. The first one is somebody just plans cleaning Sunday afternoon. And anybody who wants to sticks around and we go through a case of Clorox wipes cleaning. The other thing that can happen, uh, we've, we're changing the way that the building is secured. We can provide people with a unique door code to open the door. So if you have an hour or two, you just want to come in clean once, that would be great. Snow removal. You guys all still good? All right. This has been a tricky one. Snow removal has been a tricky one. We only have three little areas that need to get shoveled. It's been hard for me to get that done, not because I'm too spiritual to shovel. It's because most of you know that I work in the snow. My job takes longer in the snow. I shovel out my house, and by the time I get here, the snow is pretty rock solid. So last night, me and Levi out, did out here. So this will probably look like a group text that we can send and just see to, I, I'm, I will show you the three little areas. Three little areas, shovels are here. If you're able to, willing to be on that group text, and we'll see who can do it. If it can't get done, we can still access the building. We just have to not use the back door. And if you're willing to help out with the snow team, it's probably just going to be four or five folks. We'll send a text. Hey, if you want to lead something, let me know. You can lead a team. If you want to do other, if you want to be my fashion consultant, any way that you want to serve. All right, and then I put the verse on there to manipulate you. Do you want to stand out? Step down, be a servant. So just take some time, throw it in the offering. Hey, you don't have to do anything, but these are the areas that we need to start covering if we're going to grow. So I realize I'm challenging us to grow and serve and even give, but all these areas are necessary to follow where the Holy Spirit is leading us to become the church that Jesus is building, not just be a social club or build a fan base. We want to see Jesus move in people's lives. So go ahead and stand up. I'm just going to pray. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing among us. We thank you that you're sending co-laborers, that you're releasing people into their giftings. Lord, we pray that you would just begin to highlight the things that you want to do in each of us and how we can best serve the body. 
thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, have a great week. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We're glad that what the Lord is doing among us encourages you. For more info about the church, follow us on Facebook or connect with us on Instagram. Visit dwellatthewell.com or come out and see us on a Sunday morning, 228 Ridge Avenue, Southerton, Pennsylvania. Valley of my wings.